You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, welcome back into the podcast that we like to call From the Podium, where you hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. On Monday, ahead of a short week for Thursday night football between the Chiefs and Broncos, we heard from offensive coordinator Matt Nagy, as well as defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo and special teams coordinator Dave Tope. We'll go in that order, starting with the Chiefs offensive coordinator, followed by their defensive coordinator. Then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with Dave Tope. Here's Matt Nagy. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, perfect. We'll start with Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Coach, I know the word committee is usually used for running backs, but right now you guys passed Travis Kelster, kind of this wide receiver by committee. And I, I guess I'm curious, is, is that sustainable in your eyes or by the end when you get to these big playoff pushes and games, do you hope that maybe there's a, a, a singular target that maybe becomes that next guy up similar to maybe Juju was for you guys last year? Sure. I, I think um, for us, it's going to be more of the committee approach. I think the guys, um, we all kind of understand uh, – when you say, you know, a guy like Travis Kelsey, you know, he, he him being a tight end, uh, but somebody that like yesterday had 10 catches uh, and, and teams know that and they know they're going to put plans together to try to stop them. But that said, we also have great, great wide receivers that we know they all have different strengths. And we've been saying that all year long. Um, and for us, it's our job as coaches to put them in different spots to to utilize their strengths. At the same time, um, they also know that they got to know these circles and spots within the offense and and not just their particular route. You know what I mean? They, they got to understand the concept. And then what we do is we have a phenomenal quarterback that's able to spread the ball around. And I think it probably, it makes it difficult for defensive coordinators to go into a game and say, Hey, listen, this guy, um, we're going to shut him down and they, they can't throw it to these other two or three guys um, because they're just guys. See, we, we feel like we got a bunch of really good, players at the wide receiver position that all have different strengths and we just want to utilize them to the best of our ability. Next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach. You know, we know that with an injury like Travis is just because he comes back in the game doesn't know necessarily mean he can make a short turnaround. How do you go about game planning when a guy like that is such an integral part of your offense? You know, I know for like a backup quarterback, you have a separate game plan, but do you have to take, take the same same kind of strategy as well when you've got a guy like Travis that you're not 100% sure if you'll have him on Thursday night? Yeah, you always, whenever you have any type of injuries with any player, you always have to kind of go through and say, okay, this is what we think is going to happen. And based off of, um, you know, Travis and or whoever the player is, we as a staff, you know, just, just listening to Rick Burkholder and, and Veach and Coach Reed and just listening to where they think things are, um, we have to – be able to put together uh, what we think is going to happen and then that contingency plan. And the other part too, is these, these players. And I think to your point, Matt, is um, they got to, if, if you're uh, a certain position that you, you have to also understand that if, if this guy can or cannot go, 
you have to know those circles and spots I keep talking about, the concept, and not just that one position that you're playing right now. And I think the way that we teach this offense, it allows those guys to do that. And so um, with guys like Travis, there's going to be defensive coordinators that go into every game with a plan to stop Travis, and we know that. So for us, it's it's the first element of what we want to do with them, but then it's the second element or what, what's the defense going to do. And then I suppose you could say the third element of his health. So all of that is just a constant communication throughout the day of where guys are each week. And then um, we always have, are prepared with a, with a contingency plan or a backup plan. Let's go next to Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Uh Coach, uh, I'm curious. I know when Mahomes scrambles, you, you, you know, everyone's got to stay alive and he's kind of unique in the sense that he's got such a strong arm that, you know, the old come back to your quarterback doesn't really apply. And we even see him saying, go downfield, go down. Like he seems to direct guys to head on downfield. There was the one play where he threw it long. Is that maybe one where Valdez Cantling could have broken that long and, and maybe there was a miscommunication there. I know, I know Pat was just trying to throw it away, but in that situation, is that one where you'd like to see whether it's him or somebody else kind of filling that void towards the back there and giving Pat somebody to, to maybe unload to? And you're talking about the one in the end zone in the back, right? Yes. Y- yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think on that one there, there's a lot that's, that goes on in that. And, and Quez did a good job of uh, trying to get behind the defense and stay alive down the sideline. But so many things are happening so fast in that, at that quarterback position. You got so many things that are going through your head and Pat is so magical in those moments. And, and every now and then, um, you know, when and we try to practice it as much as we can in training camp and in practice, we'll sprinkle some in now and then, but Pat's so natural at it. And I think on that one, they just happened to, to just miss. They were, they were off on that one. And usually so many times you see, um, that big play that happens during the scramble. But I, I thought they both did a good job. It just, in the end, we didn't connect on it, on that play in particular. But for sure, they they both, uh, the more we can get wide receivers and pack growing in those moments, the more success we're going to have on broken plays. Let's go next to Jesse Newell. Go, Jesse. Hey, Matt. Uh, Rasheed was really productive, <clears throat> excuse me, his limited snaps, Um I guess what is the thought process with the receiver rotation and uh, is he earning more snaps with based off what he's done recently? Yeah, I absolutely think he is. I I, I think it's, it's a growth process for him. Um, and just as we've talked about, and I've talked about this process for these wide receivers, learning these positions and learning what they're supposed to do within the route does take time. And when you're a, a rookie wide receiver nowadays coming from college and there's so much no huddle, um, the sooner and quicker you can learn the verbiage that we have in the huddle. And then the next step is taking it to the line of scrimmage and being able to run the right route and then followed by what's the defense do. And then, oh, by the way, you got to make the catch too. I think yesterday you saw that one catch he had over the middle, uh, the middle of the field where he was running like a basic cross and the throw was a little bit behind him, but he was able to maneuver himself and make a strong handed catch and still get vertical. Um, to me, that's that's immense growth from him where, you know, week one in preseason, we may not have seen that. But he's starting to understand the different levels of of uh, the that you see with the linebackers, safeties, finding different holes and zones. And then also his touchdown catch, of course, making a strong catch. He was physical. He was fast. And so what I think we're seeing right now with Rasheed is somebody that's slowly gaining confidence in himself. He knows that we as coaches are slowly gaining more and more confidence in him. And, you know, he just there's 
immense growth ahead of them. And I think that's the exciting part that we all see. So that's Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hello, Matt. I have another uh, receiver question for you. Um, you know, when it comes to year two with Justin Watson, I'm not sure you guys may be anticipated that he would be your leading receiver in terms of yards, but what has he sort of shown in year two? Uh, maybe it is more about finding the right spots, but but what jumps out to you as to why Justin Watson's been so successful so far? Yeah, Nate, I think for, for him, um, it's that trust element that him and Pat have, have built over the last two years. Uh, you, you know about his speed last year. Last year when he got here, we knew, hey, this is a guy that can take the top off. This is a guy that has good hands. This is a guy that can run routes. But putting it all together uh, in this system, in this offense, is, is the first part. And then the next part is understanding um, how to mesh with Pat and, and get to a point to where yesterday in cover zero, Pat just throws the ball up in cover zero and trust him to go up and make a play. Um, not to mention also there was one earlier in the game where – we, they hit us with a cover zero and and Pat threw the ball up and Jay Watt was running down the seam. It was a little bit underthrown. And, you know, naturally, I think he did a good job too, knocking the ball down and preventing an interception. So when, when you do that the first time and you throw a ball up to a guy one-on-one -on -one and there's not an interception, it's going to give you as a quarterback more trust in that guy and throwing it up a second time and seeing what he can do. And, and Jay Watt went up and made a strong catch, big play, and they're communicating more and more on the sidelines in between series. And all of that just is a, a credit to, to Pat and his um, relationships that he builds with these guys and a, and a credit to these wide receivers and, and their coaches, you know, Coach Coach Embry and Coach Blameyer of just, um, you know, really making sure these guys talk through everything and, and create more and more trust because we know um, somebody different in this offense every week can have a big game. And I think that's pro probably some of the strengths of this this offense that we have. We'll go last to Adam Teicher and then Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Matt. Um, curious what you thought of uh, the way you guys played yesterday against the Blitz. Like the Blitz just that part of it. And Brad, I'll have a second question as well. Yeah. So, Adam, we, we knew going into this game yesterday that uh, Coach Flores was going to do a lot of different looks. And he, he's somebody and probably more than any defensive coordinator in the league uh, going to throw more double A, double B, different types of fronts, looks, everybody seven up, eight up guys at you to try to get you to either, you know, max protect or throw deep. And that's what he does. That's his DNA of who he is. And we knew that going into it. It's just a matter of when you're in it, how do you handle it? And so I thought the guys, our, our players did a, a pretty good job at handling that for the most part. Now, there's a couple of plays here or there where, um, like every game, where we feel like, hey, we, we could have been better on this play and made this play a little easier to, to be successful. Um, but that's a part of playing the game. And that's a part of learning as we grow. Um you know, through the scheme and protections and cover zero checks, whatever it is. But I thought our guys did a good job. I thought Pat did a good job of staying in there. There's so much that goes on within a play. It's one thing just to call play in the huddle and get to the line of scrimmage and then see what they're doing. But the next part of it is being able to make the play during created chaos is what they like to, do, you know, create is a bunch of havoc and, and chaos and make you, think fast and throw the ball out quick and all that. And I thought our guys handled it really well. And 
Um, situationally as well, I thought they did a good job in situational football, whether red zone, four minute, you know, end to half, end of game. I thought I, I was I was really happy with the way they did that. You said you were ready for a lot of what Minnesota did because that's been their MO. But how much of it when it gets to game day is how much do you prepare them for and how much is just Pat adjusting and handling things, the protection unit adjusting and handling things, and the rest of the guys as well? Yeah, that's that's the the in-game adjustments that Pat is so good at. And I think um, Coach Heck and and uh, Coach Matei they do a great job in communicating with the offensive line as a whole, again, in between series. So you're at times there's going to be some unscouted looks that that we sit here and watch all week and we see some tendencies that we we think we're going to get. And maybe they show some now or then, but all of a sudden they show you some some look that's completely different. And um, there's some teams and some quarterbacks that can handle it better than others. And I think we're at the top of the list of a quarterback that in those moments when he's out there within the play and there's an unscouted look, he creates calm out there and he makes everybody feel good with whatever it is, protection checks uh, with the O-line and where they're supposed to go with the wide receivers and knowing the tempo and timing of their routes, putting it all together. And then if something doesn't go the way we want it to go, um, it's not criticism. It's not pointing fingers in between series. It's coming over and trying to get answers and, and talking through it constructively and that's why Pat is so great at what he does is not so much just throughout the week, but also in game to your point, Adam, of, of the adjustments that he makes and how he does it with the players. And of course, the the coaches and, and the rest of the guys they they follow. And, and I think it's a really cool thing. We'll ask to Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, man. Just quickly, what do you see from the Broncos defense? Yeah, this is a defense that, um, you know, you look at. The, the personnel that they have and they've had some changes here there they had a few injuries here there and um but we we know you know first of all in this league there's a lot of great NFL defenses and and you can take stats and throw it out the window I mean these guys play hard and they're they're in a lot of these games and and I know right now their record may not show that but they play hard and and the DNA of you know their defensive coordinator and Vance Joseph is uh is an aggressive one but yet playing fast and knowing where to be so you know it's 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 obviously a short turnaround for us and just coming from the game yesterday you get right on into it and you got to dig into knowing what they do and don't do but we just have a lot of respect across the board and and you know I think you always start with um with Sertan back there and just who he is and how he plays and he can he's going to follow guys um, and he's going to also, you know, make plays when the ball's in the air. And then that front that front seven, you know, they move around pretty good. And I think they got some guys that get after the quarterback. So we just got to make sure we do what we do, uh, stay within our system, and just know that they're a good defense. Coach Nagy, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. No problem. See you all. Take care. Adam Stuck. Let's go to Seren. Seren, go ahead. Uh, coach, uh, quick question, uh, and I'll have a follow-up if I could, Brad, uh, about your secondary, uh, just the overall game plan, and was was your feeling that uh, we, we don't want to get beat by by Jefferson, and and did you feel like you guys executed that plan? Yeah, I mean, sir, and that was that was certainly a huge focus, and I mean, I think you saw as the game went on, we as much as we could, we tried to get um, 
LJ on him. Uh, it wasn't every snap and it wasn't every call that we had. And I thought he did a really good job uh, being aggressive. We knew he would also be put in the slot um, because they had done that prior to. And that, that was a reason for playing Trent more in nickel than he had in the previous game. So it got you know two of our best guys on what was definitely their best guy. And I thought overall we did a good job of um, containing him. I mean, we didn't just didn't want him. He's a game wrecker. We said at the beginning of the week, and we just didn't want him to wreck that game. And then, um, listen, I, I think I know the rule. You can't take your helmet off, and if you do, it's a personal foul. He obviously took his off. It looked like the ref said, put it back on. How do you understand? I mean, listen, I know it's in the heat of the moment, and I know those are things that you talk about probably at camp and, and here yeah. and there. But what, what is your understanding of what that rule is and how it's supposed to be applied? I, I'll be honest with you, Fred. I, I, did, I did not see it. Um, I didn't see it happen. I didn't, wasn't even aware of it until somebody told me after the game. I mean, I, you know, listen, I don't know how the penalty reads, but apparently you can't take your helmet off. And I don't, I don't know enough about the putting it back on or should it be called or shouldn't be called. I'm, I'm glad they didn't. Um, but I'm not really a hundred percent sure on how, you know, they'd have, I did not see it. Like I didn't see how he pulled it off or didn't, I assume he did. Um, but I, I wouldn't be able to comment on what I thought it should have, should have been. Go back to Adam. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Steve. I um, was curious what you see differently in the Broncos offensively and Russell Wilson from what you saw in the two games against them last year. I will say this, uh, Adam. I, I do think that they're – listen, I know they haven't been winning games right now. They certainly would, would be wanting to win more. But I do see an efficient quarterback. Uh, if you look at him statistically, he's right up there with some of these other quarterbacks in accuracy and how he's completing the ball. I think they've had some of the similar, same similar things happen to them that you know Minnesota had going in, a couple of turnovers or a bad play here or there. But I think this offense, and then Sean does a great job with any quarterbacks. He can stress a defense with personnel groupings and motions and shifts. That's always been his thing. Uh, and I think this quarterback's getting more and more used to it. I'm really impressed with their backs. Uh, we know what they have on the edge uh, receiver-wise with Judy and some of the others. But I, I think this is an offense that, that there's not one in the league that we don't worry about going in. And on a short week, we got to be on point to make sure they certainly don't get things going. Go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach. Um, obviously, you talked about Hawkinson, you know, before the game as somebody you got to watch. And certainly seemed like the coverage on him worked out pretty well. Um, specifically the linebackers that were on him in their coverage and, and generally, you know, what did you get the last three weeks with Drew getting the playing time that he did in place of Nick? Yeah, well, we got a, we certainly got a real great replacement for Nick, didn't we? I mean, we didn't skip a beat. We didn't change things. That's a credit to Drew and how he operates. Going back to the tight end, I would add in there that our defensive ends helped us out a little bit too. We talked all week long about what we call possibly chucking tight ends as they came off. And I thought Mike Dana did it a couple of times. I know George did. So they helped in defending the tight end, but yeah, I give credit to the linebackers and what they did. You know, Leo had that missed tackle early, but other than that, he played pr really pretty good for the limited snaps he had. And I thought you, you're, you're right about Drew. Willie ran around a little bit and did some good things for us. All, all those linebackers helped us out. I wish I'd, I'd gotten Jack in uh, a little bit more. The game just didn't dictate it that way. Um, but he was a, that, that tight end was a challenge, uh, and I thought our guys overall did a pretty good job with it. Go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. 
Hello, Steve. When it comes to the mm -hmm. physicality that Legereus has on sort of those one-on-one -on -one matchups, what does that do for your overall defense? And um, is that sort of a trait that is unique compared to some of Legereus's peers as those shadow co you know corners? Yeah, uh, listen, that's been our mo here. I mean, since I mean, uh, Chavarius Wood would do it for us. You know, Bre you know, Bashad Breland. We had uh, Breland and LJ just kind of fit right in that same mold. We believe in that philosophically to be a press coverage team. And LJ does it as good as anybody. And the thing about LJ is he loves to challenge. He wants to go against their very best. That's why we do it. Uh, and the more you know, listen, when you when you have a guy like that, that you have the confidence you can put him on their best guy, I think the other 10 guys rally around that. They see it. I mean, they saw it two weeks ago when he was on the number 17 from the Jets and how it helped us, you know, play good defense in that game. And I think the same thing happened yesterday. We would have liked to have a few less points on the board there, but I thought overall LJ did a really good job. And he'll he'll probably admit to you that he got a little overzealous on the one play, um, but you know, on all that might help us going forward. So I'm okay with that. Let's go next to Jesse. Go ahead, Jesse. Hey, Steve, I just wanted to see what you thought of uh, Mike Edwards, what you're seeing from him lately. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you brought Mike up. He's uh, he's really, we've given him a little bit more playing time. If you've noticed, he went in, I think, the third series, second and third series, and he's earned that. He's got a really good feel for the game. I mean, he'd tell you he'd like to have made that catch over there on the sideline. He kind of had it in his hand because he, he is a ball hawk. I mean, he goes after football. He had interceptions when he was down there in, in Tampa Bay playing. And I thought he did some really, really nice things for us in the red zone. Dave and I were talking about that this morning. I mean, he deserves to be out there. We got him in certain packages. Maybe we'll get him, get him in a couple others. But really, really glad that we got Mike. You know, guys like Mike and Drew coming in here and adding to the guys we had has been, been really, really important. Uh, last two, we'll go Pete and then Nick. Good, Pete. Hey, Coach. Uh, I've noticed uh, you guys had Chris Jones out in that 70 to 80% snap range. I, I, I guess the first part of my question is, so the ramp up here is complete in a sense of just how <laughs> impressed have you been with uh, a sack yeah. each game to start the year here? Yeah, that's kind of nice. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'll be okay if, if Chris started getting multiple sack games. That's even That would be even better. Um, but he had that, and I think he had three quarterback hits, so he's always applying pressure. And, you know, I will say this. I, did, I do think that that Minnesota offensive line actually did a fairly good job, um, you know, overall. I thought we would kind of be able to get inside a little bit more. And, Chris, we moved around a little bit. But all, all in all, I thought, I thought our guys did a decent job. And, Chris, when he can finish, there was I think there was one other uh, – opportunity in there we had a chance to finish with a sack and he kind of slipped off or I think uh, Cousins got the ball away but yeah I'm, I'm waiting for the multiple sack game Pete we'll try to get off the one per game average and get to get to the multiple <laughs> uh, we'll go last to Nick Jacobs go ahead, Nick yeah hey Steve quick question for you with the Vikings game yesterday being in that style of atmosphere and then also going against the skill set that you did offensively how do you kind of help? How do you kind of hope that helps this roster in the weeks ahead? And knowing that you're going win against three really good receivers, a tight end, good running backs, yeah. and the quarterback with that accuracy. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that it builds some confidence and chemistry. I, I, you know, a week ago, prior to the Minnesota game, I had just taken a, a quick advance where I read somewhere where 
you know, in the next five weeks, we were playing really good quarterbacks, guys that were rated in the top five. And Kirk Cousins certainly is one of them. We're getting ready to play another one. So if we can build on having a little bit of success last week, um, I think that'll help us going into this one in a short week. And yet, having said all that, I, I do believe that we could have played better. I think penalties hurt us a little bit. There were some mental errors in there that I think we can clean up. I think it can be a better unit as a group than we were yesterday. Um, I'm glad that, you know, holding them to 20 points was enough. Um, and it was really kind of clutch at the end there when we rose up. It was, you know, it was kind of nice, nice of Pat to let us finish the game uh, this time. Usually, usually they iron it and they take care of business. But, uh, I, you know, it was good for our guys to kind of finish the game that way. So hopefully it builds some confidence. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining yeah. us. Okay, you got it. Thank you. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, if you're ready to start, we can get started. Okay, go ahead. Fire away. All right. Um, we have any questions, guys? You might be getting off the hook easy here, Coach. Oh, that's great. I love it. Oh, <laughs> we got Jesse Newell. Go ahead, Jesse. Yeah, Dave, I'll go ahead and ask about it. Uh, the fake punt, uh, can you just walk us through that and kind of what you saw? I know Andy called it a pretty cool play after the game. Yeah, it was a pretty cool For them, play, obviously, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like we didn't know they were going to run a fake. I mean, I would have been surprised if they didn't run a fake right there. I mean, the fact that they didn't uh, even go for it, you know, on offense and they and they put their punt team out. I mean, we 
we knew it was going to be a fake. We had our, uh, you know, our, our big guy or defense out there, obviously. Um, they just, uh, you know, they got the, they got the yards they needed. It was a, it was a good play. It was a little bit of a misdirection, a handoff in the backfield, uh, got us a little out of position, got, got, you know, well-executed, good blocks and, uh, you know, well-designed play that, that got the first down, um, Sooner or later, we got to we got to stop these things. Otherwise, we're going to keep getting them. You know, I mean, obviously, that's going to be a point. Uh, you know, obviously, this week and and going forward, um, you know, we have to stop them. I mean, because the teams are going to keep doing this to us because they they try to create. You know, they they want to stay on the field, obviously, and uh, it seems like that's something that they're going to uh, they think they can get on us, and and uh, you know, we have to we have to stop them. So that's it on the on the old fake punt. Next is Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Coach, I know like the most precious thing you have. Uh, sorry, I don't have my video on there. Uh, I know the most precious thing you have in a practice week is is repetitions, and you know everybody's fighting for time with their different units and everything. But I don't know. Is there an element of like you can't be prepped for it all, right? Like like everybody's you know got got some new nuance to it and it's it's difficult to have every concept that can be thrown yeah, out. I mean it's it's like the defense they got to stop a, a you know a, a third and two play I mean it's there's a millions of millions of combinations that you can stop you can't practice it all just like you said you can't um and even if you did practice it you still got to stop it you know you you still got to beat the block and you still got to you know you got to make the tackle when you need to so um you know it's it's two yards um you know it's hard to stop and um you know you you could practice, you know, all kinds of different things, but you never know what you're going to get. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Dave. Um, Saran, you stole my question a little bit, but what, uh, how much time can you spend or do you spend in a given week? And, we, and um, given that you, you might not see once the game, how much time do you spend? Yeah, you're kind of cutting in and out on me, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get your question. Uh, we, we do spend, you know, we once a week, you know, we spend on big red. We call it big red. It's which is our, our big defense out there for for a punt situation. So, you know, we practice different fakes every every week, and you know, that's really all you can do. They they they're on their toes. They know the fake is coming. Uh, you know, but you still got to stop it, you know, and it's tough. And, uh, you know, obviously we got to get, get some, uh, wins under our belt here. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey Dave, I believe yesterday was the first game where you guys got to do an actual kickoff return, uh, yeah. just under what you saw, uh, from your blocking so far, whether it is Ponter in this case, your, your first yeah, being game. A, it's, it's been only one. I mean, obviously it's good that we got one. Now we can coach off it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we got some young guys out there, but still, um, you know, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad return. We got it out at least past the 25. We got it, I think 28 or 27 yard line, which is a positive, but, um, you know, we could be better. There's a lot of things that we could coach off of on that. We could be a little bit more aggressive on our blocks and, uh, you know, sustain, get better uh, cutoff blocks on the backside. That's the guy that got us that did eventually tackle us, but I like the way the returner, you know, our returner hit it. I like that, um, you know, and, and the way we res responded to a, to a short kick like that, uh, you know, I thought we did a, a, a good job. And we'll go last to Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. Dave, just what do you see from the Broncos special teams? Is there certain guys that stand out? Kind of what do you see from there? 
Yeah, obviously, you know, first of all, their coaches are very good. You know, they got Mike Westoff and they got Ben Kotwicka, who who both I have highly res- high respect and high regard for both of those coaches. And, you know, right now they're a top 10 unit right now at this point in the season. So, you know, and that's all phases. So we have our hands full there. But really the guy that stands out right now is is the returner, Mims. Um, you know, he's got a 99-yard kickoff return against you know, a touchdown return against Miami. And uh, he does a good job, and you know, in the punt return area as well. I mean, he, he catches the ball well, and he, you know, he's a dangerous, got great speed. You know, he's a, he's a rookie, you know, but I tell you, he's got, he's got a lot of talent. So uh, he's a guy we have we have our hands full with. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, take care, guys. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.